Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Personal boundaries are a tricky thing for a lot of us, yet they are crucial to being a functioning adult. When your life feels like it is spinning out of control and you feel like you're spending more and more time on what other people think or care about than the things that you care about, you should probably reconsider the personal boundaries you've set. You'll often find that not only have they been violated, but that a series of small decisions led to that happening. While it may sound selfish, you cannot save anyone from drowning while you yourself are drowning. So having intact personal boundaries will make you a better friend, better spouse, better parent, and better employee. It's really a crucial life skill that a lot of us have had to learn the hard way. Before we get started, though, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I finished up the hand editing of my whiteboard book. Right. Um, of course, you know, like I'm, I'm literally editing on paper. Yeah. I remember you doing that when we were, where were we? <sighs> oh, we were waiting for Dev Launchpad to start. Yes. And, you know, so I was editing on paper and, you know, kind of like reading the sentences out loud in my head to go, okay, is that awkward wording? You know, that kind of stuff, especially because the way I write, mm -hmm. as you know, having to read yep. some things I've written, <laughs> um, including that paragraph that, uh, a second ago that you just fixed on the fly because <laughs> you've done this a few times. So I got that that ready and now I'm trying to get it back into the computer and then I've got to like deal with lean pub because they're doing something stupid with hyphenation. Like they're hyphenating a lot of words in weird places. I have seen that with some of the, the kind of text, it's not text linters, but spell checkers. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they, it's like, dude, just kick it to the next line. Don't put a, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to give an example. Like, okay, let's say they had the word boundary, right? Mm -hmm. Where would you hyphenate that? Probably between the D and the A. Maybe. Yeah. They would do it between the O and the U. That's bow underies. So the, <laughs> which is probably a brand name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you're going to get sued for copyright violation. And it was the markdown parser that got you. So my, my question there is, um, is it uh, justified? Yeah. And there's is no it, way to change the justification on like it's, it's left and right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's full. Yeah. It's, it's justified full. So, and then it's not, uh, you probably have it turned off to where it's not adjusting the, um, the spacing well, as well. I'm doing it through uh, LeanPub. Yeah. And so what I'm probably going to have to do is run it through that and then get the Mobi and the EPUB files from it and then edit them in something else. Okay. And then yeah. fix it, dump it to a PDF, and then do all the stuff to get it on Amazon and all that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's going to be ready sometime. Um, there's also a lot of um, kind of indeterminate markety stuff that I probably should be doing uh, that I haven't. Because, you know, it's like your first little book, you know, you're you don't really know what you're doing and you get to the end and you're like, oh yeah, there's like this list of 70 small things I forgot, you know, no big deal. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it'll be out sometime by the heat death of the universe. How about you? Well, I am hyped up. I spoke at NSS this afternoon. It was so invigorating to talk to a group that were 
really excited just to be getting into development. They asked some really great questions. I know you really enjoy going yeah. to, to NSS and talking to them. I've gone to Covalence, which is another boot camp here in Nashville, and I've spoken to them. I'm always hyped up after that. Uh, their class size is a little bit smaller. Yeah. So it, with the NSS, there's about 30 people in there, and then... Um, one of their lead instructors came in and sat through most of my talk. And afterwards, as I'm walking out, he came up and stopped me and told me that you know, he's like, I really appreciate what you said because those guys really needed to hear it. It was very encouraging to them. And I'm like, thank you. I just, I, I'm like, I'm pumped up. I really enjoyed it. I hope they asked me to come back because I loved doing it. Yeah. I really, really like that crowd. I mean, it does remind you of how you felt when you were getting into development, you know, yeah. before I'm not going to say the development's bad, but like you get, there's a very different feeling on the ground than what you had mm -hmm. going in and remembering what that was like is kind of nice. Sometimes. Oh yeah. It, it's interesting because I know I went through it about a year and a half ago and I'm watching a couple of the junior developers that I work with go through this now where the, the fun excitement has worn off and they're recognizing the grind and getting annoyed at things. Yes. And I'm, I'm watching that with them and being like, I was there. I was there not that long ago. I understand. I'm not upset at you for getting grumpy about this thing because, you know, I've been there, man. Yeah. It's, I, I, I feel your pain. And there's another one about halfway through senior dev. Yeah, Tom. I, I totally see that. Um, the other thing, it's been a rough week at work. Just we've had a lot going on. So taking the afternoon off for that and then some doctor's appointments afterwards was nice. It was it was relaxing. I'm feeling great. That's it was bad when the doctor's appointment is relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, I got like eight shots and, you know, got well, it was an eye doctor appointment. Oh, they didn't dilate. Yeah. So, yeah, those yeah, are the air, the air puff thing. Like, oh, <laughs> that's like, like the worst part of an eye doctor. Appointment. Honestly, that's I, not want, even annoying. I want a combination dentist and eye doctor. I want the dentist to give me like the nitrous oxide to where I'm just like out of my mind. And then the eye doctor to do the thing, because I think I might get through it then. <laughs> Pet peeve, man. Uh, so on the home front, I've been packing, getting ready to move. Uh, if you're listening to this episode on the day that it's published, I will be moving Saturday. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> drive out and help him. Yeah. The the timing is just right because um, I'll have settled in just in time for the holidays. And my mom's house is starting to get kind of crowded with all of my nieces and nephews. Um, there's like five nieces and nephews and then my sisters and their husbands. Uh, so my place being only about 15 minutes down the road is going to be nice because if we do need an extra bedroom, I've got one. Yeah. But since the holidays are upon us, I've got something that you can give to the do-it-yourself IOTeaser in your life. So Raspberry Pi has introduced the newest version of the Raspberry Pi 3. It is the model A+. Now, just like the B+, which came out a little while ago, it has a 64-bit quad processor, both 2.4 and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth uh, 4.2 BLE. Uh, however, this is a slightly smaller reduced version 
of the B Plus, and so it only has a 512 megabytes of RAM and one USB port. It also has a modular compliance certification, and this allows the board to be put into end products. Ooh. Uh, so you can have, typically, things don't have as good of the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, so you can use this for that. It is the same size as the original Raspberry Pi 1 Model A+. Okay. And at only $25, it's just five more than the previous Model A board, and... 10 less than the B+. So it's kind of at that medium price range. This addition to the Raspberry Pi line, it's it's really good for that kind of, you know, you've got the Pi Zero that is $5 and just very, very basic, um, all the way up to the $35 3B+, which has four USB ports and a gigabyte of RAM and all like the, the big heavy hitter stuff. So it's a good middle of the road board for people to work with. Uh, with the holidays... Coming, this release is just in time to be a great present for the IoT-minded in your life. Nice. So who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a tweet from Brandon Schwartz. says, I got to hang out and chat with at GBWorld, at A Software Dev, at Chang Lee TW, at X86 Octopus, at Amy... Eskridge. Eskridge, okay. At Bowtie Beach and many other amazing people at the DevSpace 18 open spaces. That conversation made it into a at complete dev pod episode. <laughs> there were a there was a lot of punctuation in that, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know everyone's Twitter handles. And I, what I should have done for that uh, open spaces episode that we recorded is to have gotten everyone to write it down when they came up to the group. Uh, but I didn't think about it. Uh, at GB world is, um, our friend Greg Beamer. Oh, okay. Yeah. He lives out in this area too. I'm not sure I'm following him on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, Chang. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the others were people at the, at the dev space. Um, Brandon is down in Chattanooga and he runs the .NET user group down there. And so he's a really cool guy. I learned a lot from him, talked to him more than just in the open spaces. We, we ended up having a conversation. We were both walking to a, um, a session, one of the pre lunch 30 minute sessions and ended up getting into a conversation and completely missed the session because we were talking. It happens. Yeah. He's, uh, He's really good. I don't know if you've met him or not, but I know you guys would get along just from talking to him. So anyways, Brandon, we really appreciate you joining us for that conversation. You added a lot to it. Um, everybody really added a lot to that. I, I think all of the people that joined us there, but send us a DM on Twitter or email us at neckbeards at complete developer podcast, because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google plus. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Also, check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer your questions. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. One thing a lot of us learn about the hard way is a sense of healthy adult boundaries and how to maintain them. While your parents probably taught you at least a few things, it's pretty common for people to make it all the way into adulthood without the ability to maintain personal boundaries in a healthy way. Whether it's in your interpersonal relationships, your family relationships, or even at work, 
It can often be very difficult to make sure that your own needs are taken care of while still being a good friend, spouse, child, or employee. The strain of unfulfilling and broken relationships can cast a pall over the rest of your life and make it miserable. Worse still, unhealthy management of personal boundaries not only makes life tougher, but can often invite predatory people into your world. Nothing will attract predatory sociopaths into one's life more than a person who feels guilty when making sure that other people can't reach into their life and mess it up. Further, these predators and other people who are used to you having poor boundaries will often get very upset when you start asserting yourself. Now, both Will and I have had the life experience of not having good boundaries and having to enforce them uh, just to keep things sane and have lost friends over it. Yeah, lots of friends. It's not a pleasant experience, but it is something you have to do for your mental health as an adult. Your boundaries have to both be flexible enough to let you survive and rigid enough to keep you from being miserable. It's a tall order. So we're going to talk about how to do this in the episode. Yeah, and this outline is a mix of material we got from the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, as well as both of our own personal experiences. This is something both of us have struggled with quite a bit over the years, although we have a much better handle on it now than like, say, when we were in college. Boundaries can refer to physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual boundaries and are key components of protecting your quality of life and self-respect. So, to start off, we're going to talk about why appropriate boundaries aren't selfish. Because a lot of people, when you haven't had good boundaries, are going to call you selfish for setting up these boundaries. Healthy boundaries are the key to making sure that relationships are mutually beneficial, respectful, and pleasant. As a functioning adult, you do actually need healthy relationships. I know a lot of us like to go in the basement and write code, but at some point you come out and you deal with other people. Very few people are loners to the degree that they can actually thrive without any human contact. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed this before, but we are pack creatures. Yeah. And, you know, even if your tribe is a small tribe of a handful of people, it's still important to you. Um, and it's important to maintain those boundaries. I know when I first moved back to Nashville, most of my friends had moved on with their lives. I had been in med school for three years. And then, you know, most of the year between leaving med school and moving to Nashville and getting the job was spent getting my life back together. And so in those three or four years, friends got married, they moved, they had children. And I came back to Nashville and my group of, you know, 15, 20 close friends was down to three. Yeah. But it was very important. Those three people, you were one of them. And then our friend JR was the other one. And, and you two kept me going, um, you know, when I first moved back. And now I've, I've built back up a group of friends just meeting people and then, you know, getting involved in the community. But also healthy boundaries protect you from being taken advantage of as they tend to make the limits of a relationship obvious before the line is crossed. Healthy boundaries also establish a hierarchy of importance among the people in your life that matches their importance to you. Yeah, a lot of people with poor boundaries not only neglect their own well-being for the sake of others, but they neglect the people they care about most for the sake of others that they care less about. You know, well, of course, you and I both grew up in a you know very churchy environment, and you would you'll you'll commonly see preachers, for instance, that 
ignore their family mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're preaching, they're doing all their ministering and that stuff, but their kids are complete basket cases because they, they didn't deal with what was right there at home. Oh yeah. I mean, I, there's a reason, you know, preacher's daughters have a and reputation preacher, and preacher's sons have a reputation and those reputations are based, based on, a lot on reality yeah. as a, as a son of a preacher man myself, I, I can attest to that. Now, you know, that, that said, I did know one of my dad's good friends who was a preacher. He, uh, he was interesting because he was really good at setting boundaries. Yeah. And, and when you get a good one, that's that's somebody for everybody to learn from. But, you know, they're, it's just an environmental thing. And it's, yeah. I think it's kind of similar, too, with, like, social workers. It's really easy to do that. Psychologists, it's probably pretty easy. Like, mm-hmm. there's certain professions that your job is caring about other people to some degree. Yes. And it's hard to shut that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the things that um, they don't teach well in school, you know, having gone to school for psychology. Uh, that you kind of have to learn. Things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was the first one I went to school for, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, the they don't teach it this well, at least not at the undergrad and graduate level. Maybe at the PhD level, but I don't know. I think they teach it in therapy after mm. they've hit the it, wall. It's it's more a matter of on the job training because where I learned about it was when I was working in the addictions unit, and you know it was sort of a one of the nurses helped me get the concept of not taking work home with you. Yeah. It's like when you, when you leave here, you leave the work here and you go have your life. When you come back, you pick it up and you start back with it. And, you know, people say that, you know, it takes a special person to work with, with addicts. It takes a special person to do things um, in psychology. It's that, that special thing is the ability to care and then to leave that and have your own life separate from it. Yeah, because you can't take care of yourself very well when you're overwhelmed with other people's problems, nor can you take care of other people well. Mm -hmm. Healthy boundaries also make sure that people who are causing the problems in their own lives don't ruin yours. Um, There's an old observation in healthcare that the person taking care of a chronically ill person is often the first one to die. This often happens because they aren't taking care of themselves. They're sitting in the hospital room. Mm Mm-hmm. While this is harder to avoid in the case of a sick relative, when someone isn't taking care of their own stuff and you're handling it for them, that's called enabling. Yeah. At some point it is. I mean, I at some level, you know, you go, okay, hey, somebody's having a hard time. Let me jump in and help them out. Right. Because, I mean, you know, when you came back from you know, your adventures in med school, there was some of that going on. Right. But if, if I was still helping you now, three years later, that would be extremely dysfunctional. And it would be awkward, and I wouldn't have any beer in my fridge, which I don't now, now that that comes up. But. You already drank those two beers I brought you? Oh, nice, nice. I'm glad you did. I hope you enjoyed them. Yeah, right. I did drink those. Okay. Yeah, good. As we discussed, this is very common in situations with addiction, where the entire family suffers because of one member's addiction when they aren't drawing that line. Yeah. So you'll see situations where, you know, the families, they're all broke because they've got the one addict that's, you know, stealing from them. And borrowing money and not paying them back and creating problems and, you know, people lose jobs and everything else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets bad real quick. So, yeah, it's totally not selfish to enforce appropriate boundaries. Right. Now, even though it's not selfish, when you haven't been setting boundaries and then you make the decision to start setting them, you may feel bad about these boundaries. Yeah. Uh, There's often an aspect of guilt to setting boundaries with other people, especially the ones you care about most. You know, we're encouraged to be charitable and to take care of people around us. And many of us were taught in various ways that taking care of yourself first is a selfish act. Mm -hmm. 
Um, of course, a lot of times it's like, don't be greedy. It's like, well, I got to have enough money to eat. Well, and that line doesn't get clearly drawn a lot of times. So when I was working at the psych hospital, an example that I used to use was, what do they tell you when you're on an airplane? Put your own oxygen mask on first. Right. Because if you pass out due to oxygen deprivation, you're not going to be able to put the mask on your kid. Right. So you have to get it on your face first and then worry about your children and your family. Well, that and it's also a good example for the kid because the kid goes, okay, mommy's not passing out from this thing, so it's okay. Right. Um, Which is also part of the point with boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. But you'll still get a sense of guilt. And in some families, taking care of your own stuff first can be seen as being disconnected, disrespectful, or even unloving. I've got relatives we're like that. You know, it's, you know, you, you haven't called me in a week and getting mad about that. And it's, it's like, yeah, because I'm kind of busy. I've got a lot going on, you know, and you've got a weird schedule that doesn't intersect with mine. You want me to take a day off work to call you? Mm-hmm. I just remember growing up, I, I would want to go over to a friend's house after church on Sunday morning because it bring me back Sunday evening. Yeah. Um, and my dad going, oh, you don't want to spend time with me? What? You're going to sit and watch golf reading through your Sunday night sermon while I sleep on the couch. Yeah. That's not spending time, quality time together when I could go have fun with my friends. Yeah. And I think that's a good example of, you know, you didn't really get punished on that one necessarily, but you get guilted. Right. And, you know, a lot of kids really get punished for setting appropriate boundaries. Like one thing I, I have an issue with is telling your kid that they have to share their toys with some other kid. Well, they may have a toy that they really don't want to share. Now they should put it up before the other kid comes over, mm-hmm. right? They don't get to go take it away. It's like handle that stuff first, but going, Hey, you know, this other kid came over and started digging through my closet and found a toy that I really didn't have out for them. I'm not really okay with telling the kid you've got to share it because that's, that's a boundary issue. It's their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's really easy as a parent to go, Oh, I just don't want to hear the racket and the screaming. So I'm going to get on this kid for, you know, for this, and I'm going to penalize them for setting a boundary. So it's really easy to grow up this way. Now, a lot of times the need to set a boundary occurs when two or more people are already unhealthily enmeshed with each other. Boundaries that get set in a reactive manner like this, especially as a result of frustration, often feel bad because they feel like overkill, because they often are. Instead of, hey, you know, I need some space and all that, it's get out of my house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, a lot of dysfunctional relationships start off feeling really good and feeling healthy. And it's only with time do they later become terrible as people find out that they aren't getting the space that they need. And as a result of this, it's very easy to feel like you are blowing up a good thing. Well, if you've ever dealt with sociopaths, which I know you have because we've dealt with some of the same ones, what do they do when they start out? They, you know, they kind of love bomb the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you're the best. You're so awesome. Da, 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 you know, And they say all this stuff that makes you feel good. And then later when they're stepping over the line, you feel like you're being a jerk because this person thinks the world of me. Why mm-hmm. am I acting this way? And that's something that sociopaths count on, by the way. They also tend to establish a sense of identity in the relationship, as in, I'm a good husband. Yeah, I'm a loyal employee. Um, I've I've worked at places where I was... I won't say I was abused, but it was pretty close to the line. And it's like, oh, I don't want to quit because, I mean, that's, you know, I, I want to you know stick around. I want to be a good employee. And it's like, why are you being a good employee to these people? Mm-hmm. thing is that identity feels threatened when you start to apply boundaries. Yeah. Um, it's easy to underestimate how bad a relationship is while you're in it, whether it is personal or business. Yeah, especially um, if it's personal. Yeah. I, I've been in my fair share of bad relationships and uh, some of them 
I, I recognized and got out of. Some of them, other things happened and I got out of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Either you leave the plane or the plane falls apart in the air. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're very capable of adjusting to some really messed up situations. Yeah. Um, if you've ever lived near a trailer park and seen like some of the screaming matches that will happen. And, you know, I mean, like there was one down the road from us growing up and, you know, I remember walking down there and this woman is just like beating the daylights out of her husband with a belt, you know, hitting him outside. And I'm like, wow, I guess that marriage is over. No, they're still married and it's been 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably still hitting him, (laughs) but he's used to it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing too how we can set what is normal for us because, well, I mean, this isn't a bad thing either. Uh, For example, before I moved back to Nashville, I was living out in the country country. I mean, it was 30 minutes to get to Walmart. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a drive just for anything. And then I moved back to the city. I had been in the city before that moved out there, adjusted to life there move back to the city, and now I'm about to move out to the country again where it's about 20 minutes to Walmart, but still, you know. Yeah. You got to have your Wally world. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> otherwise, it gets real rough. But yeah, I mean, human beings have spread across all the continents except for Antarctica because we can adjust. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes that is maladjustment. So, you know, given that, let's talk about what happens when other people are upset by you having boundaries. People get used to you behaving in a certain way. Again, people adjust. We talked Mm -hmm. about that. And they get irate when that changes, even for the better. Uh, Sometimes this will pass after they've had some time to reflect a bit and they get used to your new behavior. But sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. People that are predatory in various ways will often express extreme anger and may even cut you out of their life. I know you and I, when we've had to set boundaries with people, we've been completely cut off. I remember the the email or the it was actually a Facebook message I got from one particular person saying because you had established boundaries with the person and they cut me out of their life because of your boundaries. Oh, and they sent uh, they sent messages like that to like eight other people, <laughs> and you know all those people were like texting me going, "What happened?" And so I told them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, heck with that guy." <laughs> it's like you just I wasn't even gonna like spread that around and you made that happen because you made me have to justify myself. Yeah. Whatever, you know, he was kind of a moron. (laughs) You know, people are creatures of habit, but the why of the habit is important. So, you know, somebody's constantly helping you because they feel inadequate and they stop helping you because they start feeling better. Like that's a good improvement. Yeah. You shouldn't be getting mad about that, but people do. So you mentioned how you you helped me out when I first moved back. Right. And as I started to, like, I got a job and as I started to have, be able to do things on my own, you stopped, like, filtering me clients and things like that as much. Yeah, because you were, well, you were kind of handling it yourself, too. Like, it, the other thing was, you were getting to a level where you were about to get overloaded. Right. Yeah. But, but I started stepping back mm-hmm. because I'm aware of, like, there's one thing of helping people and there's another thing about being codependent. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. You You helped me get to a point where I could step out and then you stepped back. And the other side of that boundary is if you had been trying to continue to help me, even after I no longer needed it, I would have had to set boundaries with you. Right. Um, on the, on the other way. Yeah. So, and I knew that you knew that. Yeah. So it's sort of like the, uh, thing in the princess bride with the two drinks. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> me being a clever man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, you're generally better off holding the line in these situations or at least negotiating into a situation that is closer to what you want. In other words, they blow up and they get angry. You don't cave right. immediately. Because if you do, you've shown them that they can override any boundary you set. Um, the next time, it's going to be even harder for you to maintain that boundary. Because and they're going to be stepping over the line. And then when you try to enforce a boundary, they know that you aren't going to back it up. Yeah. Now, on that, some degree of negotiation is reasonable um, in that you may be able to find some arrangement that works better for both of you. Yeah. I mean, you and I've had those conversations, you know, actually while recording. Yeah. And, you know, we figured out stuff. It's like, hey, we've got to fix this. Mm -hmm. And and that's reasonable, right? That's that's okay. But when people really explode over you setting appropriate boundaries, that's a big time warning sign. This tends to indicate someone with whom you've developed an unhealthy relationship. You know, they're already relying on this relationship. And it also means that you might want to consider putting further boundaries out there with this person. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing it can mean is that you may have consequences to the boundary. Yeah. Always accept consequences yeah. for the things you do. Yeah. And, and do things with the consequences in mind. You know, there's that, that term rebel without a cause. Yeah. And I, I could never be that because I always, I, maybe it's just something that's been ingrained in me since I was a kid, but like, I have no problem breaking rules if I'm willing to accept the consequences. Right. If you push back from a friend, they're likely to do the same to yeah. you. Because I, I mean, I've pushed, I've stepped back from several mm -hmm. people and they've kind of stepped back from me here in the last few years. Yeah. And that's completely okay. And it's healthy. Yeah. I mean, relationships change and that that's a good thing. Yeah. It could be that, you know, people grow closer or it could be that they grow further apart. I know I've, I've had friends that I was really close to eight to 10 years ago that, um, you know, we, we sort of, our lives went different directions. And while we're still friends, we're not close friends. Yeah. So now let's talk about what some examples of unhealthy boundaries are in personal relationships. The first one is the friend who makes their problems into your problem. And this is on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. right? Because we've all got that one friend, too, that makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And you and I both know who we're talking about. Uh, the thing is, we also have friends who are down at times yeah. and just need to pick me up. Yeah. And it, that's not what this is. Yeah. It's okay to help your friends out. But most adults have had the experience of having the person who has nothing but problems. And is constantly putting them on the people they're around. You really can't help these people. They All they do is just drag you down with them. Yeah, and a lot of times it's not even like financial or they need, you know, they need something from you. It's just they're always complaining and mm -hmm. they're dragged to be around, right? Like it, it can be the emotional support thing as well. Um, another example is a friend who butts in on your problems when they really aren't wanted. This is like the opposite end of that same spectrum. Yeah. You know, sometimes you should step in for your close friends who are struggling and try to help them, but you don't want to do it at the level where you're meddling. And so, you know, and this is something that happens more in families, I yeah. feel like, than it happens to close friends. It's like, okay, you've got somebody that's an overly involved parent mm -hmm. that butts in. Uh, my grandmother told me a story about a, a boy that she was friends with and the, you know, and this was. You know, they they were like late teens, early twenties at this point. I think she and I think she, actually, I think she and my grandfather were married when this conversation happened. But the mm -hmm. boy, you know, is at the table and gets up, and his mother goes, "You know, wh where are you going, Henry?" And you know, he, you know, Henry's like, he's old enough to drive, and you know, about to get drafted. And he goes, "I'm going to let my bowels move, mother." <laughs> 
<laughs> just, you know, like it was, it was one of those situations where somebody just did not have a clue that maybe this person doesn't really need me jumping in. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a, that's a pretty good example of it. And we've all had that, uh, that relative that kind of butts into everything and always wants to know what's going on. And we've had that coworker that's like that. Yep. And, you know, some of us have had the, you know, the church member that's like that. Like, you find these people. The thing is that they're not just restricted to family. Like, a person that behaves this way behaves this way in almost all situations they're in. Yeah. Cause, well, a lot of times they don't really have a lot going on mm-hmm. themselves. And so, they feel like they live vicariously through other people in a really two-dimensional kind of way. Right. Similar to that is the next one, which is the person who constantly chips away at your life. Yeah, this, this is somebody that, you know, constantly denigrates what you're trying to do with your own life. And it's often because of an unhealthy boundary. You know, they I've seen people that even get to the point of, you know, being happy that one of their friends is going through something. You know, that whole frenemy thing. It's like, mm-hmm. look, they're not a frenemy. They're an enemy or they're yeah. a friend. Like that's not that's not a thing. They're 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 close to you and they hate you. That makes them a threat. That doesn't make them a frenemy. Whatever. I have a situation that happened um, with a former friend that I actually found internet posts from this guy on some forums because he uses the same username all over the place, like a total hoser. So, you know, you go and you find these posts where like um, he was complaining because his good friend was getting married and he had a problem with that. And those posts are still out there. Like that is an unhealthy thing. This is somebody going, hey, I don't like that somebody else is moving on with their life and they're getting their stuff together. This is the sort of personality you see. And the, the last personality we're going to talk about is the one whose mood swings are extreme and damaging. Yeah. So this would be the sort of person who is a total angel one minute and hateful the next and who thinks that being the first one allows them to get away with the second one. So, that, you know, they're nice to you most of the time, but then they just rip you a new one mm-hmm. over whatever. So, so on this, mood swings are a symptom of other issues. Oh, so yeah. They, it, it's very likely they may be depressed. Yeah. I know or, when I was when I was depressed, um, I had a lot of a lot of mood swings. It was yeah, y'all can't see me shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were. I mean, you were definitely quite moody there for a while. And I mean, we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's this isn't a matter of oh, hey, they're they're going through something. And, you know, we, we tolerate it while they're going through it, set some boundaries. Slap them around a little, yeah. you know, it's Tuesday, it's time for your slap in the face. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's normal. But this is like somebody that is always that way, you know, and you'll, again, this is something that happens in families. You'll have one elderly relative that is just despises everybody and trash talks everybody. And they're at every family event doing that. Mm-hmm. And everybody makes excuses for it. This is... You know, kind of bad. Like they, the the damage from the mood swing means that nobody feels like they're safe. They they feel like they have to walk on eggshells. Yeah. Whenever they're around the individual, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And just, I mean, you got to have a whole bottle of wine before lunch at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Yep. Now that we've talked about unhealthy boundaries in personal relationships, let's get into unhealthy boundaries in work relationships. Yeah, and so the first example here is people that pry too much into your non-work life without your permission. Now, I don't have this uh, where I work now, although there was a there was there was an individual or two there a while back mm-hmm. that were really bad about that, where they just had opinions that they had to drop in. 
you know, this can be anything from trying to egg you into political discussions in the office to trying to set you up with their friends. Uh, now, the setting up with friends thing has not happened, thankfully. <laughs> um, but I have had that happen, not since I've been a developer. This was. Yeah, oh nobody my. sets developers up with anybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they really don't like them. Uh, this, is, this was back when I was working at the psych hospital. The next are people who constantly interrupt work that you're accountable for in order to get you to help with work that they have to get done, you know, without getting permission from management. You know, it's, it's one thing if it is like it's part of your job yeah. or somebody said, you know, somebody above you in the chain of command said to do it. That's not this. This is more like somebody doesn't want to learn what they're supposed to, or they don't want to go, Hey, I can't do this. Or, you know, they're overwhelmed and they dump it on you. Mm -hmm. Now this is something like if you're competent, you will deal with a lot of incompetent people doing this to you over the course of your career. And yeah, it, it's damaging yourself for the benefit of somebody else. Um, now there's people, there's people that I, you know, I will jump in and help, mm -hmm. but you know, because that's kind of a mutually you know beneficial thing, but that it's really frustrating when you get somebody that doesn't understand that this is an economy, not a collection plate. Yeah. This is something that happens because you have poor boundaries that allow the person to damage you for their own benefit. And they may not even realize what they're doing. I know um, another personal example. When I first went out into the workforce, I was 18, working at a medical clinic. There was this girl who was like me. She was 18 between college and high school and was working in the filing area. And the area of the clinic I worked in, we were supposed to go get our own files. I'd get really busy, especially um, the days that we had, you know, the more popular doctors in when they would like sometimes double book. Oh, yeah. So, you know, she had a crush on me and I would ask her to go grab files for me all the time. <laughs> and everybody's a jerk when they're like 18 or 19. Though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I mean, know I any don't better. Even start, I don't even <laughs> want to start listing my examples. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I was lucky because this was a job. My mom was a charge nurse at the uh, the clinic that I worked at. And so she found out about it. And, and I bet she put her foot up your backside. Oh, yeah. I can imagine <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably immediately destroyed any advantage that that gave you just because your ears were burning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we all have to learn either by being on one side or the other of it. Yeah. And and again, you don't realize necessarily even that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. The final one we're going to talk about are people who don't work hard and put the rest of the team in a position to bail them out. We've all been on this with either school project. Yeah. Every group project you ever had in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the running joke is I want to uh, I want my high school group project members to be my pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this is a boundary issue with both the team member for not doing their job and with management for not straightening them out. Mm -hmm. But it also affects the team. The team needs to be going, hey, look, I'm not carrying you. Right. And it's really your problem, too, because you should not stay in this kind of situation for very long. Next, we're going to talk about how you figure out where the line is with someone that wants your attention, your time, your love, or your money. Yeah, and mostly you do this based on your own level of comfort, and it's kind of subjective. Uh, this means that your line will be different than everyone else's and different with every other person, typically. This 
also means that you don't necessarily have to take someone else's advice on where your line should be, nor should you be giving that kind of advice. Yeah, your level of intimacy and boundaries will also vary between the different people in your life. I remember before my sister met her husband, she had a boyfriend that she dated in in high school and they went to college together. And uh, you've heard the joke, you know, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Yeah. I made that joke and she reached up and picked her boyfriend's nose. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) There's always that one person in the crowd. Yep. And of course, it would be my family member. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the other thing is, is you also have to be able to stop if something is more than you can do. Um, When you're overloaded, just five minutes can be enough to make you fail at something that's actually more important. You might have to deny helping someone, even if you'd like to, because it's going to break other things in your life. You know, I've had this at work where, uh, where I was asked to, to work on something not, not associated with the project I was on. And I said, I, I like, we were slammed. Yep. And I said, I can't do that. You have to be careful because you say that too much and it can negatively impact you. Um, and also the way you say it can yeah. too. Um, you also have to stop if it isn't reciprocated. You know, yeah. whether it's, you know, the person moving this Saturday who <laughs> always wants you to help move, but is never around when it's time for you to do the same. Um, which, by the way, I have helped you move yeah, a couple you did of times. Help me move. In fact, I think you're the one that hit me in the face with that box and busted my nose when we were moving to this house. No, that was uh, JR. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. That was so I bad. remember when that happened because I was... And it was just like <laughs> running in with boxes with a busted nose. It's like, it's just, I just got to get this thing unloaded. Yep. <laughs> so bad. Um, or it's the person who dumps their emotional trash on you without listening to your problems. It's very, very draining to be in a one-sided relationship. And you and I have both been there. Yep. We we kind of provide a little bit of, I don't want to say emotional support, but uh, like just an ear to vent to. Um, actually, more like eyes because we usually do it over hangouts, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's usually text, but yeah. Um, yeah, because it's definitely text because neither of us is very easy on the eyes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the thing is with this kind of stuff is you don't tend to notice it or address it until it's been going on for a while and it's become a habit. And a good cue for this is to consider whether you have begun to resent someone. That's often a clue to this dynamic starting. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly feeling drained by being around a particular person, it's time to reconsider your relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you may have a hard time figuring out exactly what boundary is being crossed with someone, but you can tell that something is happening because of the way you feel. You, you need to be careful to only use this as a basis of a decision if it is over an extended period of time and you can't figure out what exactly is wrong. So, you know, you don't the, want to be reactive like real housewives. The the move example. Yeah. You know, we have a friend who you and I have both helped move who will not be able to help me on Saturday because he has to work. Yeah, but he's helped like eight other times. I know. But if I if I had blinders on and was yeah. going, Well, I, I helped him the last time he moved, now he's not helping me. Like the the thing is you have to look at an extended period of time. Well, plus he knows how much you like oak furniture. Um, (laughs) So he's actually kind of smarter than the rest of us. He found some way to be working whenever. Hey, hey, don't worry. My my church group is going to be there. 
and they don't know I have oak furniture. Oh, this will be great. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about how you deal effectively with other people's boundaries. And the first thing is you stop pushing on them. Once a line has been drawn, you need to respect it and move on. That's it. Um, that doesn't mean that it frees the other person up from consequences, right? Like if it's a um, you know interpersonal relationship and you feel like you're close to this person and they draw the line, okay, well they don't get the benefits of that relationship either, right? You you know a it's kind of like a fence. It defines both sides of the yard. If you aren't sure about the boundary, then either ask. Or just keep some distance there. Yeah, and keeping a distance is probably a little bit better because asking is awful weird. <laughs> you it know, can, it can be weird, but it can be very beneficial. Yeah, like if you notice somebody seems like they're uncomfortable, you know, you should just ask them. Yeah, um, I'm I'm that person that you know, if you look uncomfortable, I'm going to say not not in front of a big group, but I'm going to come up to him like, "Hey, you look kind of uncomfortable. What's going on?" Yeah, you know, if you aren't getting reasonable cues that something is okay, it's a good idea to ask if you can manage it without being awkward. Yeah. Even if you can't, sometimes being awkward can bring like that making the situation awkward in a private, not public setting can bring forth the boundary and you go, okay, you're uncomfortable with this. Great example is one of my coworkers is uncomfortable with a lot of people swearing. I've got one like that. And one of my other co-workers swears a lot. A whole lot. Like, more than the two of us combined. I've got several like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, they, they both tell the story of the two of them working on a project together. And it being really, really uncomfortable. For and, both. For both, yeah. Until one of them said something about it. And it got, it was, it was an awkward conversation. It was really weird. But once it got out there, the person who swore a lot was like, yeah, I can, I can tone it down. Yeah. I can be Captain America approved. Yeah. And the, gosh darn it, <laughs> language. <laughs> <laughs> and the person who, you know, who was bothered by it said that they, you know, they could accept a, a little bit. You don't have to like, well, if they know the person's aware of it and that they're at least trying. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of difference and it, you know, that can bring people closer together. There's some interpersonal relationships this works better on than others. <laughs> right. Just um, if you can't deal with a boundary that somebody else has set, then you need to walk away. It might be that you don't want to be around them as much with that particular boundary. Yeah. Um, it could be that, you know, hey, it's just that time in the relationship, be it friendship, be it That'd be the end time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it may be time for you guys to go separate ways. The, you know, the other thing is sometimes you go your separate ways and then you come back together. Yeah. Or you, you know, there's, there's different stages of friendship too, where it's just like, yeah, this person's a good friend when I'm talking about this. stuff. I know somebody, for instance, that um, if I sit down and I talk with her about like cooking related topics, I mean, we can talk for like four or five hours going back and right. forth on that. But if politics comes up, it is very unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And so we don't do that. That's the the boundary line. Yeah. And so you got to do that sometimes. Or if it's a person that always brings it up, sometimes you, you, you just got to get away. The, the, the other thing, too, um, you and I, we were really close in college. Yep. You know, um, roommates, good friends. Beat the crap out of each other, martial right. arts things. Yeah. And then our life paths changed where... You graduated a semester before me and you went into the workforce. I was still in school and in that school mentality. 
And so that last semester was kind of awkward. And then we went our separate ways and we didn't talk for a while. Yeah, it's a couple of years, wasn't it? At yeah, least. like I moved out to East Tennessee for about a year and a half. And then I came back and it was after I had moved back and been in grad school for about a year that we ended up, you know, getting back in touch. Yep. And uh, by then I was already married. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this is just the way things go. Now, let's talk about how to enforce boundaries when you haven't been. We're going to hit the highlights and do a deeper dive. Yeah. So, first off, you want to start off slow. It's better to not shock people into reacting if you can do that. Yeah. Sometimes stuff gets so intolerable that you, you can't. Yeah. Or sometimes people push so like, so hard and so, so quick. Hard and so, yeah, that you just you have to set a hard limit and say, no, sometimes you just have to avoid people. Do you remember the girl I dated in grad school when... We broke up. It was sort of a, it was a rough breakup. I mean, you know, why she would take me to the Northeast to meet her parents and break up with me while we were there. I don't know, but you know, whatever. It was an interesting life situation. Um, we shared the same group of friends and, um, we used to go out for brunch every Sunday. Like you, yep. you came to it several times, you and your wife and, I eventually just had to stop going. I tried to maintain that. I maintained the friendships. I think I'm still friends with the people that she introduced me to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, but it's one of those things where I just, for me personally, like for her, it was okay. She had just moved on. But for me, my emotional state, I needed to avoid that. Yeah, you just couldn't deal with it. Yeah, and so I stopped going to that. I didn't get to see those friends. I told my other friends, I was like, hey, I'm okay not coming to things. Just let me know if you invite her, don't invite me. Yeah. Just letting you know, hey, I just need, I need some time away from her. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is like, if you are enforcing boundaries properly, what, what ends up happening is, is you, you kind of get a feedback loop going. Mm -hmm. You start taking stock of how you feel and how people are reacting and you adjust, yeah. right? This isn't a fence. This is more like a cell membrane. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, you know, it can adjust over time and you'll eventually find that the boundaries you initially thought you would enforce have shifted mm -hmm. in some way. Now, there are some potential downsides to enforcing boundaries. You'll lose some people and you'll have drama with a lot of people. So going back to the story I just told, I lost probably about two or three friends who were closer to her than me. She lost a couple of friends who liked me better than her. That happens when I enforced that boundary of, hey, I. Yeah, I'm not comfortable here. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And I've I've kind of got some soft boundaries like that, too, where it's there's certain people I really, really try not to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to because um, I'm otherwise obligated. But for the most part, I don't. You know, the other thing, too, and we, we haven't really hit on this, but there are people who can be good for you at certain times in your life. Yeah. And then later and at different life phases are unhealthy and you're friends with them. You like them. You want to maintain that amicable relationship, but you, you don't want to be close friends with them. Yeah. I, I have a Your couple buddies, not buddy buddies. Yeah. I have a couple of friends like this that, you know, yeah. When years ago, when I was in grad school at that phase in my life, they were really, really great friends and we helped each other out and stuff. And, as life went on, like they were there for me at that breakup that I was just talking about years later, when I moved back to Nashville, it wasn't 
that healthy friendship. Well, and they had some other stuff going on too, I yeah. think. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the way things go. Mm-hmm. Also, you may be more exhausted from drama and you could even be nervous about potential downsides. So you, you, you may kind of become avoidant. Yeah. Or you start wondering, okay, is this person going to do something retaliatory? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the individual I dealt with, there were some threats. Uh, you know, against me personally that were delivered by other people. And yeah, that's, that's one of those things that you, you kind of wonder, okay, is something going to happen? And of course, in this case, I I knew the guy was a putz and wasn't going to actually do anything, but you still wonder if he's going to do something stupid. Mm -hmm. And that drama, I mean, it it wears you down. Now, the other thing that will happen as well is you'll get called selfish and you'll have them calling you selfish in front of other people and at least some other people believing it. Mm Mm-hmm. I know I got accused of stealing friends in that situation. I'm like, I didn't tell them who to choose. I didn't ask them to. Well, it's really amazing skill that you have there. I mean, you know, you like, you took a friend off the shelf and you put it in your pocket and you got it past security. Wait, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> yeah. I stole a friend. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I don't think any of my friends are the kind of people I'm going to be sneaking out of a store. <laughs> You know, like I don't, I don't have any friends that are leprechauns. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So now that we've talked about the downsides, we're going to hit on some of the long-term upsides of setting boundaries. First off, you'll have room for better people and better relationships in your life. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing when you cut bad stuff out. It's not like you're cutting everything out. It's like weeding a garden. You get more tomato plants when you get rid of the uh, rabbit tobacco and the other crap growing up in there. It's it's more like that than it is actually just, you know, mowing and paving, you know? So, I, I know I've been using this example, but it, it really hits on all of these, these points under here. But um, I gained some really close friendships. We were able to grow closer because there wasn't that buffer. Well, and the thing, too, is, you know, like you and I are better friends now, I think, after all the stuff you went through after med school. Yeah. Because of that, like that, that makes stuff click. And I mean, that's a that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Another upside of setting boundaries is that you're not drained by other people's problems. So you're not dealing with somebody constantly creating issues for you. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, if there's an issue, I can handle it if it's supposed to be there. But it's not, you know, it's organic. It's not somebody just put it there because they're not dealing with their own stuff. Now, this often means you can help more people because you're helping the right people. Yeah. I mean, people that aren't good at handling their problems always have problems. And people that are in a bad spot tend to only have problems for a little while. So, you Mm -hmm. kind of, if you help somebody that's in a bad spot, you can help more people because that person gets done after a while. Whereas the person that always has a problem is always going to be consuming your attention. And some people talk to us and they're like, how do you get all this stuff done? Like, right. Like you're speaking, you're, you're leading other people. You're, you're helping people get into a productive career. And it's because we've cut the bad apples out. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I go back to you helping me. Yeah. I was in a bad spot after med school and you helped me get through the bad spot. And the way I I like to describe it is I hit rock bottom and I had to claw my way out. You didn't come down. You threw me a rope, but I still had to grab a hold of it and climb out. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what you want to be is throw someone a rope. Because if you throw someone a rope and they still can't climb out and they're wanting you to climb down in there and carry them out, they're never coming out. Yeah, neither are you. It also means that 
people you help end up helping other people. It's kind of a positive feedback loop instead of a negative one. Well, I mean, look at, uh, you know, I, and I hate saying this kind of stuff because it sounds like we're tooting our own horn, but after things got better with you, what did you go do? Right. Like, you know, we're working with people at NSS. We're helping people get into their development careers because now we've got that experience. I got the experience of teaching you. Then you got the experience of teaching other people. Like you, you create more positive good in the world. Yeah. I mean, you helped me get through my divorce. Right. And I was at a conference recently where I was talking to one of the other speakers and she was telling me about, you know, going through an emotional divorce more recent than mine. And we sat and talked for about an hour or two. And I told her a lot of the things that helped me. And so I was able to, I I hope, provide some insight for her and maybe give her some, some tools that I had learned through my experience from being, you know, a couple of years down the line from where she is. So guys, while getting your personal boundaries right is a critical part of adulthood, a lot of us struggle to do it right. If you aren't thinking about what you really want in your life and what you don't want, you'll often find that your boundaries are set by the people around you for their benefit rather than your own. In general, this doesn't make for a fulfilling life and will lead you to resenting those people. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to point out something that we kind of touched on a little bit, I guess, um, you know, while we were discussing this, and that is the idea that good things are contagious and bad things are contagious, right? Like you're not controlling the vector, you're controlling the direction of it. And so you need to help people with that in mind, right? Like you have to be conscientious of the fact that, hey, somebody's in a really screwed up situation. I don't want to help them to the degree that it puts me in that screwed up situation. But I also know that if I do help them, that I may be creating a situation where this person can help other people. And if you keep that in mind, it will help you have not only appropriate boundaries, but also an appropriate appreciation for your your kind of role in the cosmos, right? Like you can help other people a lot and you'll be surprised at um, the way that that manifests if you keep this in mind. Now, if you don't and you have poor boundaries, then it's just going to completely break you and that's it. So that's all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.